what we're going to be talking about this evening in the in the first point is we worship God in spirit that's the Holy Spirit the only way we can but we do the Apostle Paul says finally my brothers rejoice in the Lord that's good instruction for me to write his same things to preach his same gospel unto you it is not tedious but for you it is safe so he's going back over some old ground here verse number two beware of dogs and beware of evil workers beware of the it's, it's the mutilation it's a false circumcision it's religious people it's self-righteousness it's a gospel without Christ and God for we are the circumcision, the true worshipers of God, who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. In spirit. That is the only way that you and I can worship God. It's in the Holy Spirit's power. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit who shows us Christ. Because the worship of God is not something that we can do ourselves. It's we have no confidence in the flesh. It's something that he must give us. It isn't something that we can um, stir up. It's grace. Often I may go into a church, um, especially in the, the Pentecostal churches, there's a lot of loud noise. There's a lot, amen. There's a loud, uh, good morning church, and it's a little grumble. Good morning church. If you're alive, if you're in the spirit, you know, ha, shout, scream, something, dance, jump, fly. Swing off the rafters. But that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not how God is worshipped. The Almighty God is worshipped as we come unto him in the emptiness of ourselves. And ask him to fill us for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. As we look upon his grace and his goodness in the gospel, then we are transformed into his likeness. It's the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter number 3. And because of time, I may be a little bit more of a preacher, a little bit less of a teacher as far as asking questions, but we'll see. Second Corinthians chapter number three is, um, verse number 18 is a transforming verse. Uh, let's read verse number 17 and 18 and 
See what it means to worship God in spirit, by the Holy Spirit's power. And, 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 and it's a way that he accepts because he causes it. And he's got to do it if it will be accepted of God. It can't be us. It has to be him. All preaching and teaching in the flesh is in the flesh. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, verse number 17 and 18, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is no condemnation, and power is given to serve God acceptably. This verse was at the Sunday school as I was at Equa on Sunday, I believe I'll be here at the Baptist Church for his Sunday. But this freedom of the gospel, is there freedom that's in your soul? It, it is a freedom from condemnation. It's a freedom from law. It's a freedom from all the guilt and shame. And a power is given to serve God acceptably in truth and sincerity. A supernatural power, a supernatural freedom. Verse number 18. But we all, it's with an unveiled face. Uh, when Moses, as he came down off of the mountain, he had to cover up his face because the people saw his face shining and were scared. And it was a picture that they couldn't see the real message of the law, which is the glory and the beauty of God through redemption, not through human works. Is beholding is as in a mirror the glory of the law. It is it is me and you, we get to see God in the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of the glory of God, the glory of the blessed God. It is what Moses saw in Exodus chapter number 33 and 4 when he asked to see God's glory. And do you know what the glory of God is? It was in the group. It's his sovereign grace in Christ Jesus. And has everyone heard me there? The glory of God is his sovereign mercy in Christ Jesus. He told Moses, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. His justice is good. His wrath is good. His holiness is good. Everything he does in heaven and hell is good. He is being a good judge if he punishes sins. He's being a good father if he chastises sin. 
He's being a good God if he saves our soul and he has mercy on whom he will. He said, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. That's the sovereignty of God in salvation. And I want everybody to hear me because this is the glory of God. The most important thing in it's the essence of who God is. It's the most important thing in the world. And if you see his glory, you will be saved and transformed. And it is the only thing that will do it. His glory. <laughs> His glory is he calls all men unto Jesus Christ. He has a savior. And then he draws the men and women who cannot come unto him apart from special grace. Our sins, our, it's our sin nature. It is so corrupt that if, <coughs> excuse me. If God, if he pleaded with us as he died on the cross and rained down a miracle out of heaven, we still would not actually believe him. It's the Pharisees and the priest. After they heard, this is Matthew chapter 28, that he had been resurrected from the dead. What did they do? They paid off those guards and they told them to lie to everybody and say that his disciples came and stole him away. What they're saying is even if he resurrects from the dead, if he speaks at Mount Sinai, if he shakes the earth, if he parts, if he parts even the Red Sea, they will not believe and trust him. Israel perished in the wilderness after they had seen his miracles and they ate of the manna that fell from heaven, ate of the quail, drank the water out of the rock because unbelief, unbelief is a corruption that, that, that no man can escape on his own. Oh, I'm in a desperate condition. Because God will get the glory in saving sinners. A real sinner. Now, now part of the mystery of the gospel is whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But who makes you call? Who makes us to differ? Who actually puts in our heart an awakening that I need mercy? Some of you have heard of the blessed gospel. Uh, for many years, perhaps. And this is the first time you've ever heard from God. What made the difference? Not the preacher. 
Not the message. God. The first time I went to hear the gospel, I was a preacher already. I was, I was lost. I was self-righteous. I didn't know it. But the first man who preached, he preached the gospel, and I saw no glory in it. And if that's all I heard is I would have left that meeting and I would have thought I'm smarter than him. And I've learned just a, just a couple of things, but it had no transforming power. But the next man, he did have more faith. He is more gifted. But God bless his faith. Faith. He preached the gospel and I heard it so crystal clear. He told me, he told us, that our righteousness was filthy rags. I had said that in my sermons a hundred times. I could quote the verse. But that week previously, very interesting, I was trying to find out the meaning of the glory of God. And I have my concordance out and I'm flipping around. I'm using the word glory and I'm looking everywhere I can. And for the first time in my life at that time, I could not figure out something I saw in the Bible. And I just had to close it up. But when he was preaching, I saw the just like that their light. But it... It continued and stayed. I saw the glory of God. How he can save a sinner. He had the first. It's he reduced us. Until there wasn't any righteousness in ourselves. All of our best efforts. Are filthy rags. If we present them unto God for acceptance. What that means is if I bring anything. Lord, here is my tithe. Accept me. He's going to send me to hell. And the reason is that tithe is stained by my natural heart. If there's one sin on us, he cannot accept us for ourselves. If I'm dirty, everything I touch is filthy. And if I give him something that's not perfect, he's going to damn me. He's a holy God. What did Adam do? He ate a piece of fruit. But in that action, he disobeyed. He rebelled. He violated God. And his word is never... Uh, it's not to be questioned or challenged or broken or violated in any way. I'm not acceptable. And it stripped me. And I remember how I, how I sat there as nothing. Hear me? I didn't have anything I could give God. Have you been convinced? It's the next point he talked about was on the precious blood of Christ. Hear me, hear me. How God the Father had from eternity, he gave a chosen and particular people unto his son. The almighty God says, I'll show mercy on whom I will. I don't owe 
any of us salvation, he says. I don't owe anybody anything but damnation. When the angels sin, who are greater in power and might, what mercy did they get? None. It was, he didn't preach any salvation unto Lucifer. All the demons who transgress are consigned and reserved in chains of darkness until the great day. He has never offered one word of mercy unto Satan. Not even a glimmer. Nobody died for the devil. And, 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 and human beings are so tiny and frail in comparison, right, sir? But in his, his sovereign mercy, he chose. I'm going to have a group of people for myself. And it's not going to be according unto man's will. It isn't of him that willeth. It's of God that shows mercy. It isn't my willpower. It isn't that, that, that it's he made a move and then I made a move and he saved me. He's not waiting on anybody helpless with his arms tied behind his back. He can save us exactly at the moment he pre-planned. The Apostle Paul said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, he called me by his grace and revealed Christ inside of me. It was when it pleased, everything was on schedule. It was all Saul. As to why are you persecuting me? His time had come up for his salvation. God came to him. Our Lord Jesus, he revealed himself to Saul. Saul. And it was many people there with him on their road to hell and destruction. And he said, one man's name. And everybody else was blind and they couldn't hear the gospel. But Saul heard it. That's how me and you have been caught. Irresistible grace, sovereign mercy, he did it all. He didn't leave any room for us to boast about anything. I did nothing. And whoever believes has everlasting life. The eternal God actually raised him from the dead. Because the work that the Father gave him to do, it was accomplished perfectly. What work was that? It was our everlasting redemption. As we talked about it, this was last week. It was on Saturday. It's the blood that's of the everlasting covenant. In that covenant are all spiritual blessings. It's everything from heaven to the escaping of hell to holiness to righteousness to forgiveness. Everything is in that new covenant. And that new covenant, it, it was ratified by his blood.
What the Almighty God said from eternity is that my sheep are helpless. These poor sheep are helpless sinners. And they can't do anything for themselves. But I require of you, Lord Jesus, your blood shedding. And you will unlock the key of all my mercies. You will earn for them paradise and everlasting life. And they will praise you forever. And when you pay the price... I'll raise you from the dead as proof and testimony and I'll send the spirit of promise at Pentecost and he'll open their eyes. Oh, are you still with me? He opened our eyes through the preaching of the gospel. He, he selected us. He called us out of our homes and our jobs. He brought us into the meeting and he opened our eyes as we sat there and heard the gospel. And for the first time in our life, we trusted Jesus Christ. We stopped trusting ourselves, our works, our goodness, our power, our morality, our church attendance. It's the way we dress. How good we are. We stop trusting it. And the Apostle Paul said that, that the true worshipers of God have no confidence in the flesh. I have no ability by my own righteousness or my own strength. And that's why we worship God in the spirit, in truth and in spirit, in the gospel and in the power of God. That's the gospel. And whoever believes has it. After I leave here, I want it known. How do you know that you've been chosen by God? There's only one word I'm looking for. Faith. <laughs> he that believes has everlasting life and if you have faith then you have all the inheritance that God can give a sinner everything is yours all the spiritual blessings eternal life you have forgiveness you have holiness you have perseverance you have all the promises you have all of the blessings because they've been earned by the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you learned that? Did you see it clearly? And if you don't see it clearly, you ask him to show you and search the scriptures. I'm persuaded it's the word of God. And in beholding that glory of our salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it's in seeing as in a mirror. He has to hide his glory, but he shows us enough to transform our souls. We are being transformed. It's not something that me and you are doing. It isn't our strength. It isn't our morality. It isn't our righteousness. It isn't our Bible study. It's the power of God into the same image of Christ from glory 
unto glory, just as even by who? The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is changing us. That's the reason that I'm just absolutely and utterly convinced that I can change and so can you. The Spirit of God, as I see the forgiveness of sins, I can be forgiving. As I see his love, I can be a loving person. As I see how he humbled himself, I can humble myself too. And he does the work. But the Spirit is only working as he gospels preach. So, as we approach God, what do we approach him with? Absolutely nothing of ourselves but the Lord Jesus Christ. What your son did and everything I have in him, Lord, faith. Faith is believing that because I have faith, I have it all. That's radical, but that's the facts. The only thing I have is faith in Christ. I don't have anything else. I'm trusting him, Lord. Then you have everything. And when you begin to believe the inheritance, all the blessings, you're transformed and you worship God. That's when you're singing, that's when you're joy, that's when you're giving, that's when you're church attendance, that's when you're witnessing, that's when you being properly dressed is accepted by God. It's the fruit of faith. You see the difference? If I do it, Lord, accept me, he will reject me. If I do it saying, Lord, you accept me because of Christ, thank you. He loves it. It's a good work. Hmm? That's, that's the gospel. And, and that's how me and you worship God because there's no confidence in ourselves. And our rejoicing is where? What's the text say? It's, it's, it is in Philippians 3. Let's read the text again. Verse number three. For we are the circumcision. It's me and you. We are the true worshipers of God. Who worship him how? In the spirit. Rejoice in what? Uh, my church attendance. I haven't missed church. This is the first time I think I've been late in, in years. I don't even. I don't know. But is that my rejoicing? I'm always on time to preach. Is am I rejoicing and I'm a missionary? Oh, look at me, Lord. I had to bathe in some cold water, Lord. Oh, big deal. Jesus Christ. What he did is perfect. It's finished. It makes us accepted. It brings every blessing into our soul even eternal life in heaven. Everything because Christ died at the cross. And when he died, he took our sins, the elect sins, his sheep's sins, his chosen people's sins, and he was beaten underneath the wrath of God for them and punished in full and said, it's finished, oh. And the resurrection proves it. 
He walked out of the tomb victorious. That's why we have the gospel. If he's not risen, our faith is in vain. He's given us everlasting life. And it's not because of our works. Let's, let us uh, pick it up again. It's in Philippians 3. And we're going to read down now from verse number 4 through 8. And I want you to see, I believe that there is something to be gained. But if you look what Paul says in context, it's the context that always opens up the keys of our preaching and of our teaching, especially in the epistles. If you don't have to, if you don't read the scripture like this, is you read it like this. So, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, and if you have questions, please write them down. The Apostle Paul says that though I also might have confidence in the flesh, and, 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 and it's, I didn't plan to preach on election, but when it got to talking about the glory of God, I went back this morning as to when Moses said, show me your glory, and it was God that said, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. That's his glory. And verse number four says that, that even though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if you're bragging in the flesh because you've been in church all your life, if anyone else thinks and he may have confidence in the flesh. How much confidence in the flesh does the Apostle Paul actually want us to have? None. None. But if anybody thinks that they're good, like been trying and special, the Apostle Paul says, I more so, is that I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And concerning the law, I was a Pharisee, is I was the best of the bunch, I was, uh, is the most legal and the most zealous. Uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, and concerning a righteousness which is in the law, the outward character, outward morality, outward um, obedience unto rules. Oh, and I yearn and I beg, don't make the gospel a bunch of rules. It's not. It's the glory of God and the new life that follows. It's forgiveness. It's freedom. But concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse number seven. But what things that were gained unto me, all the things I had my confidence in, all the things I impressed other people with. Oh, she's so zealous. These things I gave them up as I counted loss. Uh, for Christ. Hold up, hold up. 
this is my question, is are all of us on equal terms with God? Is each of us approaching him with absolutely nothing but Christ? All the time. Not missionary, not my sacrifices, not I've been witnessing every day that I'm in church 18 times a week. Nothing but Christ, right? Absolutely nothing of self, right? That's the text. What things that were gained unto me, I rejected them, it's I gave them up, is I counted them lost for the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't have them both. I can't have my righteousness and his at the same time. I have to pick one. And the Apostle Paul said that mine's a filthy rag. Yet indeed I also count everything on earth. All things lost. Excellency. All the praise of man. All the glory of the flesh. All the idolatry. For, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He says it again and again. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Everything I have. I'm a subject of Jesus Christ. I am a conquered person. I have. I gave up everything. That's what, that's what the Lord was teaching us yesterday about repentance. I'm a slave of who? Jesus Christ. I'm conquered by a master. I'm under orders from heaven. I'm a believer. I don't have any opinions on anything except what that book says. It's my guide, my teacher, my life, my all. It tells us how to think, act, talk, give, obey, dance, do Everything it talks about is our new master. Hmm? Who's repented? It was a young girl, well, uh, probably in her teens. I can't quite uh, remember the face. It was uh, pretty dark last night. But as to what she told me was that she was baptized. It was under pressure. It's, she's old enough now, she ought to be in the water. And so they pressured her. But she said that now I believe it means something. That's when you get baptized. And as I was thinking about her, I want to ask her this one question. Have you repented of all your sins? That's what Paul is doing. I've repented of the authority I had on my life. I'm under orders. I'm under a new master. I have seen the pearl of great price and I have sold everything I have. Right? Except a man forsakes all that he has. He cannot be his disciple, right? He that forsaketh not everything. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Everything. That's a Christian. Is it worth it? Look what Paul says. 
Yet indeed, is I also count all things lost. I'm in Philippians 3, 8. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered. I have suffered. It, it is going to cost me. It will hurt in places uh, continually. I may be in a good place now, but tomorrow I may have to repent of something else. That is very dear on my heart. I don't even know it yet. And I count them but dung. Dung. That's the word in the Greek. Dung. It's the Old Testament law. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. I don't know the chapter. But the Lord God tells us that if you need to ease yourself, if you had to go outside, outside of the camp, if you had to take your shovel, if you had to dig a hole, and you had to bury your excrement, what's he talking about? All of our righteousness is dung. Everything we hold on to in the glory of self is dung. Outside the camp, you have to bury it. Oh, when I wasn't thinking clearly, I just thought if I'm on the restroom, I'm unclean. Oh, that's not it. He's talking something spiritual. I count them as dung. Why? That I may gain Christ. That I may win Christ and be found in him. I have a question. I have a question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it uh, to give up all that you have for Jesus Christ? <laughs> Look what you gain. Look what you gain. Here's the first thing we gain. It's in uh, verse number nine. And be found in him. I'm not hiding from the wrath of God in a useless fig tree. I'm hiding in the blood of Christ. And be found in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in perfect safety from the wrath of a living God. No more anger and no more punishment. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. He said, I gave up on my righteousness. In order to get a righteousness that's better. That really clothes me. That really cleans my conscience. Oh, saints, after I found out that I'm forgiven. All of that religion I had been trying to do in the strength of man. The Holy Ghost came and put it in my heart. And for the first time in my natural life. I began to love people. <laughs> all these rules I had been preaching, all of a sudden they're in my heart with power because my eyes are on Jesus. And it's not my glory, it's not my acceptance, it's not my boast anymore, but from the heart all I have is Jesus Christ Lord. And he's blessing me with the Spirit's power, the comfort, the joy. I am an amazingly happy preacher. <laughs> As the gospel gets going, 
is the brother, he took me home yesterday. He remarked, I saw the spirit helping you. <laughs> That's exactly right, sir. In myself, I'm nothing, but in his power, I'm mighty through God. Aren't you? Ain't it wonderful to have the comfort, the peace of walking with God, his friendship, his fellowship, his care, his kindness, his love, to actually see how beautiful a being is God? How beautiful he is. Men think he's boring and mean and cruel and empty and a slave master. Men think by nature, all of us, he isn't as much fun as the devil. Oh, if I could just have some fun being drunk. That's, that's what I really want, is that liquor in excess and that woman, and I would be happy. In, but after you find the joy of holiness and purity and self-control, because it puts you in fellowship with God. He's helping you obey. It's not just a bunch of rules. His spirit is coming down and he's ministering unto you and I. He's enabling us to obey. And then he's comforting us and rewarding us in our obedience. Oh, the Christian is the happiest being in this world if he's living right. If his eyes are on Jesus and the Holy Spirit is operating in power and he's obeying God and he's in a communion with God, he has a prayer relationship with God the Father. He can wake up and talk to his master. He can confess his sins and be cleaned. And he knows he's not coming... He's not coming back to an, an, an avenging God and saying, I've sinned. He's coming to a loving father. I mean, he's drawing near. Father, I've, you've seen it. Help me. He's in a love relationship with God. God Almighty, the God of the universe. He loves him and he loves him back. Ain't that good? That's good. Oh, that, that's the goodness of God inside the soul. Oh, it's so sweet. So satisfying. There is so much contentment. <laughs> and, and I don't have to earn my acceptance. I don't have to earn anything. <laughs> Been earned. I just have to receive. Take take this is this is my body I'm broken for you take and eat oh receive it take and drink of my blood this is the blood of the new covenant that bought the blessings take it and receive it that's our relationship with God it's receiving from him constantly the strength to serve him, strength to obey, strength to praise him, real joy in his grace and kindness and love. Isn't God good? <laughs> and I don't mean as, you know, hey, ain't God good? Amen. No, 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 no. In your soul and experience, isn't he good to you? He's fair. He's upright, he's kind, he's tender, he's just, he's strict, 
He's strict. He only has one gospel. But he brings all of us into it. He only has one message that, that redeems this world. Oh, but he has a message. And how sweet it is. He's a wonderful, he's a wonder-working God. He's the best thing going. He's the best thing to ever happen unto us. And to be in his fellowship and in his love is the highest life imaginable. And, and it keeps growing as we obey him. It does not get old. It stays fresh. It gets better and better. It's the one oh, relationship on this earth that gets better and better. Oh, I wish every husband and wife would just get better and better and sweeter with love. It's the men become more humble. It's the wife becomes more... It's the wife actually becomes more submissive and they learn to walk in love. Oh, let it grow. But even if that don't grow, this grows. He loves us more in our experience. He loves us as much as he could ever love us from before he made earth. And he loves us as much now as he will love us in heaven. He sees us in Christ. He loves us because of Christ, not our works. But he loves us more in, in the manifestation of his character, his beauty. In the book of 1 John, in chapter 2, you have to read it later. There are three stages of the Christian. It's a little child, is he knows he's been forgiven. And it isn't age, it's maturity of faith. It's maturity of character. It's a young man, he knows he has power over sin. He's overcome the evil one. He knows how to lean on the Holy Spirit. But the father in the faith, he knows him. That is from the beginning. And God is love. It's a new covenant, a relationship with God. Where there are promises and the forgiveness of sins. And help in your time of need. There is no struggle that should rattle us. I hate it being late. I hate I hate being late, especially for preaching. I don't want anybody to have to be waiting on me. I hate it. But as I sat there waiting, I knew this rain, this is of God. This rain is of God. And it may be possible a person is going to come in here late and hear exactly what is needed because we started late. Oh, we see the sovereignty of God in everything and his goodness. 
trials, pain, disappointments, things that happen. If I don't get the things I want, who cares? I've got God doing me good. He did it on purpose. He said no in his love. He did it because he loves us. No matter what happens in this world. To anybody in Christ, it's because he loves you. <laughs> oh, what a daddy. Oh, what a father God. What a beautiful. And he has all power to change any situation as needed. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about some of the worthlessness that's in America's some of the obstacles and trials here in Nigeria and our big need of the Holy Spirit. And the thing he showed me in Acts, it was at the Pentecost, is that he can still come down with power and save people. And they have no control over it. Nobody can stop God. Ooh. If we come in contact with the power of the Holy Spirit and preach the gospel, he can save anybody. He saved Paul. And he saved Peter. And he saved me and you. He can save anybody else he wants. So all we need is the power all we need is to be in contact with him to, to preach the gospel in power and conquer the world. And he's going to drag out of the dungeon of Satan every one of his elect. He will open the prison bars and set the captive free. He's got power over sin. He's got power over drunkenness. He's got power over pornography, you young men and women. He's got power. He can do it. Just get your help from God, not in yourself. Mm. And the Apostle Paul, he said... Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. It's the gospel message. It's a message that's to be believed. The righteousness which is from where? From God. Oh, that's what I need. I faith. He said, I got a perfect righteousness with God. Because it's from God himself oh in the book of Romans please in chapter number four is I want you to see this righteousness of God uh, my dear brethren this righteousness of God which we have by faith in Jesus Christ not by works of righteousness that we've done. 
not by hocus pocus. It's been spun by God himself and he puts it on us. Imputed righteousness, a white garment. Oh, the Yorubas have the white garment churches. This is a white garment church. Those who believe his gospel are sprinkled with his blood and white and clean. On the inside, you have a new nature. And on the outside, you have a perfect covering. No more fig leaf. I'm righteous with God. Verse number 5 through 8 from Romans 4. This is what it means for us to be righteous with God. But to him who does not work. <laughs> doesn't that sound strange? But that's the gospel. Let every sinner know that in this building. It's to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies who? Who is going to be made righteous with God? Who do I have to be if I want this righteousness? Paul said, I had to give up everything as dung I ever had in my life. It was worthless. And I have to come down and stoop. And I have to take it as unrighteous. That straight gate and that narrow way, it's only for the unrighteous. They're the only ones who can enter in by faith in Jesus Christ. Accept it. Accept it. Holiness, heaven, uh, peace with God, joy. These things aren't up on the high shelf. These things are on the lowest shelf of faith. I have, if I'm receiving them, I'm receiving him as a nobody and trusting him to give me help. Oh, can you get down there? Oh, all of us can. You can fall down before him if you want to. It was a man that was full of leprosy. He fell down before him and worshipped him and said, Lord, if you want to, you can. And the master said, he, is he touched him? I want to. I want to. It was a crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. And the Lord Jesus asked him, do you want to walk? You want to walk with God? I don't have anybody to help me. Take up your bed and walk. Just believe on me, he said. I'll give you the power. Not having my own righteousness, but being ungodly. His faith. His faith. The ungodly man's faith is counted for righteousness. Oh, here's a drunkard. A harlot. And a prostitute. And she's in the back of the church service on Sunday morning. For some reason, just had to come inside and sit. It, it might have even been raining. And the sister or the brother comes in just to sit and relax. And he's just tired of the same old sermon. He don't want to hear nothing. He just wants to hang out and 
help to get him a little bit more sober. And he hears it's for sinners. And he comes forward, not to the preacher, but to trust in Christ. Hmm? He's as righteous as everybody in this building. Immediately in the sight of God. Is that right? Yes, <laughs> oh, harlots. Oh, poor sinners. Oh, pornographers. Come on to Christ. Oh, drunkards. Oh, vile. Oh, filthy. Oh, hypocrites. Come on to Christ. Oh, you've been watching your pornography. Come on to Christ. He'll receive you and make you righteous in an instant and for life. And it will last forever. Isn't that right? What does imputed righteousness mean? Verse number six through eight. Just as David also describes the blessedness, all oh, the blessedness, all oh, the relationship with God, all oh, the peace, all oh, the forgiveness, all oh, the power over sin that this brings us because we are righteous and get the power of the Holy Spirit now. Oh, the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness. He doesn't have any of his own, so God imputes it. If Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, that's all he had was faith and he's righteous in the sight of God and the friend of God. They part from works. <laughs> Did you see that? Apart from works. It's in the Bible. And he's stressing it with emphasis. Verse number seven and eight. Blessed are those. Here is imputed righteousness. Here's what it means to be righteous with God. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are not there. They're forgiven. They've been done. But they've been taken away. By the precious blood of Christ. And whose sins are not there. They're covered. And they will be chastised in love. But he'll never take out his rod of anger in his wrath and smite us. Christ was already smitten. And you don't smite that rock twice. He just blesses us. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not charge him with sin. That's as big as it. That's as plain as anything I've ever seen in the Bible. He won't hold it against you. Even though you did it. Because he's already punished it in his son's blood. And he is going to help you out of it. He's going to change your character. He's going to give us improvement as we see his glory as a forgiving God. 
and the giving God. Is there something to gain for trusting Christ? Oh, we give up on the world. And we give up on our own righteousness. And we forsake our lives and forsake all to follow him. But is it worth it? Oh, we get the pearl of great price. Ah, it's in your own time. We don't have enough time today. If you go back and read in the book of, of Genesis chapter number 33, and I want you to emphasize verse number 9 and 11. And it's in the English translations, it's not always translated properly. It is, it is, it is, Esau says that I don't, it's Esau said that I don't need your gift, uh, uh, Jacob. Because I have enough. I'm getting tired. I have to slow down. Help me talk. He said, I have enough. But Brother Jacob said, no, no, no. You take, sir. And in the Hebrew, it says this. I have it all. Did you catch that? Is Esau, is he looked at all of his wealth and his army he had and his wives and his money and he's saying, look, Jacob, I got enough, man. I don't need this gift. But brother Jacob is looking at God. He had just wrestled with God in the previous chapter. If the angel of the Lord had changed his name at Penuel into Israel as a prince you got power with God you can pray and he'll answer you you can call upon him and he'll come there he will help you in your time of need and brother Jacob said I got everything I got the inheritance I got the blessing I got God I got Jesus Christ I got salvation I got eternal life is it worth it to trust Christ and forsake everything else? Is it worth it? It's worth it. How sweet it is to be righteous with God by the righteousness he gives you that he paid for with his blood and you only trust him. Oh, how sweet it is. How sweet it is. Oh, uh, it's the last thing, and I'm going to have to be brief. If you head back, please, into Philippians 3. We're going to have to be brief. Verse number 10 and 11. If you give me five at the most, is I'm going to say 10 minutes, I'm gonna, I'm, but I'm going to aim at only five. That I may know him, verse number 10 and 11. This, this is what we get. That, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that's a new life. And the fellowship of his sufferings, that's being able to suffer in a way that brings him glory, just like he did. Being conformed 
to his death, that's obedient unto the death of the cross. Is he had his cross, he had to carry, and me and you do too. We have our own cross. We have to suffer for him even until the death, even until we leave this world. If by any means, verse 11, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. It's the last point, just for a couple of minutes. The resurrection uh, from the dead, the, it's the resurrection of the dead, is something that's happening. Me and you, we shall see Christ in these bodies. It will be transformed, but he will gather up our dust. It's the dead in Christ shall rise first. And the ones which are alive shall meet with them in the air and meet with our Lord Jesus. And what's the scripture say? And so he shall ever be with the Lord. There is a paradise coming that's something special. There is something better than everything I've described with my own little words. Something so much better. The reality of seeing God face to face and being with him forever in his love and escaping the wrath of God for heaven and paradise. It's coming. And Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This new life, I want to taste it. And I want to suffer in a way that brings him glory until he raises me from the dead and I'm with him. Oh, what an inheritance. And oh, as to what a bounty. But it's only for those that worship God in spirit. Hmm? He must do everything. Tell him every day. And he does it only because of Christ Jesus. And he does it by grace. And it's every spiritual blessing that's our inheritance. Have you believed? Have you looked unto Christ Jesus? Are you looking unto him now? Are you worshiping him by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith? Sometimes having faith, it means I have no joy. Did the Lord Jesus have any joy on the cross? <laughs> no, he's under the God. No. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He had hope. Sometimes in faith, I have to confess my sins and I don't have any joy. I have pain. I'm sorry, Lord. Sometimes it's in faith. I have to go through a hardship. And the comfort hasn't come yet, but I'm trusting God. Sometimes your greatest tears 
they will be your greatest times of faith. As when you believe God until he renewed you. Sometimes, just like Samson, it's, it's the calling out unto him in the midst of trouble. That's great faith. And it's the greatest deed you've ever done. So the Lord bless you. Amen. To believe the gospel. Amen. Amen. Mm. If we only have about, uh, it's about 10 minutes.